quizzes, a guy kidnapping people and stuff. I mean, I think we all have an idea of who the guy that he's going to be looking after is. The puzzler. I've got it in one, Leo. I'm so <laughs> nice. glad that you... I'm it's so Toy Man. You are one of the fucking progenitors of our Batman podcast on this network. Absolutely outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Kite Man. Fucking got it in one. Oh, Condiment dang. Man. Woohoo! Kite Man. <laughs> Condiment Man. Yeah, you got it, man. You gotta be pretty quick if you want to catch up. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's Condiment King, sir. Oh, I'm sorry, Condiment King. Brother. Oh, there you go. <laughs> sorry, I guess my comment didn't cut the mustard. Zing. The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Hey everyone, this is Powerful Brandon here, and you are listening to Comics Paradox, the podcast in which we discuss and dissect all things from alternate reality takes and tales, such as what-ifs from Marvels and Elseworlds from DC Comics. We'll also be covering story arcs from uh, both sides of the fence there, uh, including things like Tangent Comics from DC or Age of Apocalypse from Marvel or even Amalgam Comics from both of them. Uh, and joining me tonight, we have Mr. Leo Pond. Hey, hey, hey. how's it going, bud? Oh, it's going well. Uh, yeah, I'm Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. So, uh, yeah, that's me. All right, monkey. Let's switch it over to Mr. Justin Cooper, our other cohort. How's it going, Justin? Oh, hi. I didn't see you there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi. I just happen to be sitting here with my computer open to this particular application that we use specifically yeah, exactly. to record these things. Oh, I specifically. I didn't know you'd show up. I just happened to have read this comic book. Funny Me enough, too. I, I didn't realize when I clicked <laughs> on the tab that said Comics Paradox, JLA Secret Society of Superheroes, that it was going to be this show about that book. You also, guys are breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> I'm I'm a little drunk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's that's fair. So. I'm sorry. That's a lie. Actually, I'm, I'm quite large. <laughs> I'm quite large. <laughs> I am. I am very inebriated. Uh, but no, no, no. No one's inebriated that they'll admit on, that's a different podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh however tonight we are going to well today whenever the hell you're listening to this you know the deal at this point if you've made it this far uh we are going to be uh discussing the elseworlds from dc uh jla the secret society of superheroes uh written by howard shaken and david tishman uh and drawn by michael mccone 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 i i, I don't know if I, I think it's that. McKeon. Is it McKeon? Okay. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, inked by Jimmy Palmiotti and lettered by Bob Lappin. And normally I wouldn't bring up the letterer, uh, but just like a fun fact, as I was reading this, I legit, 
this is this is how ingrained some of these stories are into my brain. I took one look at the word bubbles and I was like, hey, this is the same guy who did the lettering for Superman, Last Son of Earth, and Last Stand on Krypton. And sure enough, when I finally nice. checked it, when I was done reading it, it is the same letterer. So, you know, he's got that going for him, which is nice. Yeah, and McKeon did a lot of Flash work, I believe. And um, I, I think he did uh, some fair amount of work over at Marvel as well at, at some point. But uh, it's very distinctive DC style right now when you're looking at it. You're like, oh, yeah, this looks like um, uh, Young Justice or anything along those lines. And it's got kind of like that. Uh, is Was this early 2000s? Uh, 2000. Yeah, into the yeah, it's got that feel to it. I yeah, I I can dig it. I, I get that. Um, you know, there, it's a very, it's a very particular story they're telling, and I I do appreciate that with the style, uh, particularly around that time, how they they brought the the costumes, the uniforms, whatever you want to refer how they dress, um, up to the story. They didn't they didn't just um. I would actually say like these are costumes that would look good now. Like they they were some are timeless. You know, like the uh like the flashes and um metamorpho, you know, they're they're really like they're they're just perennial, those. Yeah, but I mean some of the flourishes that were taken care of by I actually really like the the Superman uh suit as it was done in this. Um particularly with the Superman and this being an older Clark Kent and Superman, somebody who who was around in like the 40s as a kid, meaning he probably was rocketed to Earth from the Doom Planet Krypton in 1938. That was an Um, interesting twist too, reading through this because you're trying to figure out like from the beginning part, okay, where does he fit in in this and all that? And you're like, oh, okay. He's kind of like your elder statesman. Like, okay. Yeah, it's it's very cool uh, and that you know they they started off uh you know much much like the way anything where superman's going to be like a central character and it all focuses on his own personal ideologies uh showing the example that was set before him by martha and jonathan kent um i think that's that's really paramount to any story like that about clark kent and superman that you plan on telling and they they wisely um started off i mean it says smallville 1943 he looks like he's a a youngish kid um so i'd say he's probably about five or six at this point so 1938 that that stands to reason i would say so yeah um and what he what he sees is uh actually his father at a um a freemason uh gathering and they determine to help uh, a woman who just been widowed in the community recently uh, by, you know, leaving like a care package for her with a lot of the things she would need. And they do it as, you know, good Samaritans uh, under the cover of, of night, you know, so they're not looking for any praise or recognition or even thanks. They're doing it because it's the right thing to do. Uh, and they just want to help someone without it being, a big deal overall and that is sort of what informs young clark kent's worldview um he he comes at it after seeing that with the best of intentions with talking to his own mother martha um why did i say that name 
<laughs> just want to be you stepped on Leo's like, line. <laughs> yeah, I was trying, I was trying to get to it. Uh, and you know, he he holds up a huge diamond he made to his mother, and he's like, "I made something for the poor people." Took a piece of coal and crushed it just like that. And she says to him, like, that's that's a, a wonderful thought, but we can't use this to help the poor folks. And he's like, but how come? She it's said, we, we could never explain a diamond. People would find out all about you, and that's a can of worms we don't want to open. So how about we give it to them in secret, anonymous-like, just like Pond the Masons, Clark says to his mom. And you know, she's like, oh, that what a nice idea. Good night, Clark. You'll always be my little super boy. And, uh, you know, that's that's all we get of, of his upbringing. You think they just throw that in a drawer somewhere? <laughs> you know? like, throw we'll it on wait, the pile. <laughs> we'll wait until he's in college. Then we'll say we found it in the field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, you know, we, we move ahead to, uh, you know, essentially modern-day Metropolis, uh, which we see some schmuck being a... a public menace trying to get away from the piece of garbage this guy yeah uh in a sports car speeding away and causing all kinds of strife and um then we see uh the inside of the daily planet and you know there's this guy just like and the guy's been the editor-in-chief for over 20 years he's six months away from mandatory retirement i guess i'd look a little lost too and uh he's an older guy reddish hair receding hairline uh goatee and he comes into uh, the office and it turns out the editor in chief in question is Clark Kent uh, looking very stereotypically Superman, like the, the huge jaw and everything in this. It's like, it's so pronounced uh, it's, it's out of control. And this is a, this is a Clark Kent who has like no fun demeanor to him whatsoever just the look on his face behind those glasses. He's, he's stoic almost. And he just doesn't seem, it's not that he's an unpleasant fellow. He just seems like he has the personality of like a piss soaked face cloth. It, 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 it's, <laughs> Ew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, he he's got like, a sour, sour yeah. puss. So say, say Jim, would you like to have dinner tonight? I, I, I have some time. Oh, gee, Clark. I mean, I'd love to, but, uh, I just remembered I have I have uh, I have I have plans at that time. I didn't say what time. What time were you thinking? Six o'clock. I have plans. <laughs> it's just like he he just uh, seems like a pretty solitary dude. One might one might say lonely, but you know, too early to make uh, any determinations in that that regard. And um, the thing is, the guy he he actually does refer to him as Jim, and that's when we realize like, oh, this is a Jimmy Olsen who has worked for the Daily Planet for like two decades and uh i do appreciate the like aged out hippie vibe they've given him yeah it's 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 interesting and i do think realistic for a guy like jimmy olsen who'd been working there since he was a cub you know cub photographer um yeah we we kind of skip and and find out you know clark's uh regular vision has actually been failing because he's pretty old now uh, but his telescopic vision uh, vision apparently works just fine, and he starts scoping across the city into the offices of another newspaper that has employed the talents of one Miss Lois Lane. Uh, 
and he's uh he's kind of scoping out the competition slash her and it and turns she's out, probably about 30s right like like uh early 30s you, you'd read from here maybe yeah i would i would say she's like probably 30 to 32 years old here mm-hmm. right that's that's fair and um you know that's that's when we kind of get a bit of an idea of what this paper she works for is all about and it's it's a bit of a rag yeah oh definitely yeah i think i think their last issue published uh rorschach's manifesto yeah yeah like (laughs) there's definitely there's definitely a dude with with ketchup on his t-shirt walking around that office somewhere yeah and uh if you have no idea the reference we just made please go read watchman uh regardless we uh we we get the idea that this isn't like the most reputable of newspapers. And uh, funny enough, the editor-in-chief who Lois works for is Perry White. Uh, So good to see that the two of them still embarked on a career in journalism, regardless of uh, working at a great metropolitan paper such as the Daily Planet or not. Uh, And there's some stuff going on and Lois gets some kind of package and she's looking at something, you know, she gets a a photograph of a gentleman wearing a, an or a somewhat ornate green costume shooting a green beam from his right hand. And they're just like, yeah, look, this is, this is that same kind of thing that those stories we've been getting about like abductions and stuff like that. So this is a pretty solid lead. I'm going to check it out, Perry. And he's like, uh, Sure. I guess, but you know, don't forget, I really want that story about Latin American pyramids. Okay, see you Monday. And uh, you know, you would think he'd want stories about Great Caesar's ghost, though. Exactly. This is the universe where he doesn't say that. Ghost, though. (laughs) Stonewall Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then you know, we we move from there to to uh, Gotham City, the city of Gotham. And uh, if we're in Gotham City, I mean, who do you who do you think the the next character we're going to be introduced to is? Robin. Max Shrek. Yep, that's it, Max Shrek. You fucking <laughs> nailed it. The <laughs> mayor of Gotham from Batman Returns, whatever, <laughs> whatever the fuck he was, Christopher Walken. I mean, he was running for mayor, and then, then uh, he got Cobblepot, but you know. Well, for me, on this bird freak. Right in the city? Save my son. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't, I don't think so. That man is trying to hypnotize me or something. <laughs> Selena, no, no, you fired. <laughs> you fired. It's all right. I've got a few lives left. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think I'll save one for Christmas. So. <laughs> We come we come to uh, Bruce Wayne in in the city of Gotham, and he is uh, actually the FBI's top profiler. That is the move he has made to meet out justice in this world where there there has been no such thing as a superhero before, uh, and he's he's really good and. They uh, they're talking about, you know, one of the latest cases he's been working on. And uh, of course, lots of fun because of the parallels that we see in these alternate reality, alternate reality takes. Uh, They kind of list out what they know about the the perpetrator. And it's 
They're dealing with a male Caucasian somewhere between 25 and 40. He's taunting us with these, what is it? Rebuses and anagrams, daring us to catch him. All the victims have ties to education. And these quizzes, is there a connection? I mean, quizzes, a guy kidnapping people and stuff. I mean, I think we all have an idea of who the guy that he's going to be looking after is. The puzzler. I've got him on Leo. I'm so <laughs> nice. glad that you. I'm it's so Toy Man. You are one of the fucking progenitors of our Batman podcast on this network. Absolutely outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Kite Man. Fucking got it in one. Oh, Condiment dang. Man. Woohoo! Kite Man. <laughs> Condiment Man. Yeah, you got it, man. You got to be pretty quick if you want to catch up. Anyway. Uh, it's Condiment <laughs> King, sir. Oh, I'm sorry, Condiment King. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> sorry, I guess my comment didn't cut the mustard. Zing. <laughs> Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold, robust, delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Do you have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? The Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs. From horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Uh, so, yeah, he's uh, he's sitting there. He's talking with his his compatriots, trying to figure out what they're going to do about finding this guy. He, he clearly is enjoying killing these individuals and, and leaving all these clues. And... Uh, then they they say like oh there's another disappearance now and this time it's in metropolis and uh they're kind of giving bruce wayne uh you know a little bit of a you know a little bit of a hard time 
that because he has a conspiracy uh, concerning disappearances and what have you, uh, seemingly along the same lines of what we just saw Lois Lane talking about in the offices of, you know, the fucking Daily Inquirer or whatever the hell it is she yeah. works for. They never name it, so I, 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 you know, the Daily Star. Let's call it that because there's. That's actually what the original newspaper that uh, that Clark Kent went to work for in the comics was. So I'll just stick with that. Um, and you know he's gonna make his way to Metropolis, and they're just like, "Hey, remember, this guy kills his victims within forty-eight hours. So have fun with that time frame." Deuces, Bruce. <laughs> and uh, you know what? You what you guys think about this introduction to uh, to Bart? I mean, I I liked it. I, I had an idea who his father was going to be based on you know uh, the last name and and such. But um, I mean, he's 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 interesting enough as a kid character, and um, you're going to kind of play into his morality down the road. So I think it's a good setup because it gives you that kind of that base. It's like all right, unsatisfied because he's not having the best relationship with his dad, so he's looking for a father figure. So I'm like, I, I get it. I get it. I, I think that, you know, it hits kind of like the uh, the story notes that it's supposed to hit. And they've actually calmed down on the character Bart Allen a lot because he's so spastic normally. So I'm like, yeah. oh, he's really subdued here. Yeah, well, I think part of it, too, is like in this in this iteration here, uh, Bart Allen being the son of Barry and Iris, I guess. Yeah, um, I was wondering if that was Iris. I, I wasn't really sure. I would imagine so. No. I mean, if, if we're saying that's Barry and, and Bart, might as well be Iris. I thought Iris uh, was blonde, so I'm like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> he's uh, Is Iris blonde? I, I'm sure that's inconsequential, but I, I don't know. <laughs> but I never really thought that, but yeah. regardless, um, he was not born with his powers the way that Impulse slash Kid Flash, however you want to call him, uh, was in regular continuity uh so this is very much like a, a teenager who just developed these abilities out of nowhere for lack of a better term he's a, a meta human slash mutant you know he he just developed these without any external impetus um no lightning strike strike nothing like that and uh so i think that's why he's not necessarily as uh frenetic and unfocused as the bart that we're used to the kid that had to be raised in virtual reality at an accelerated rate because of his abilities from birth. Uh, but, you know, much like any teenager, he's getting yelled at by his parents and they're like, no, you can't, you know, you, you can't drive the car anymore. Go pound sand kid, blah, 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 blah. blah. So he's fine. Whatever. I'm out of here. <laughs> and he uh, takes two steps out the door. And next thing you know, pew, he buzzes out of there to from central city to Keystone. And, uh, you know, sits himself down at this nice little diner that he found. And uh, in the last panel that we see, he's shoving a big old piece of blueberry pie into his 16-year-old face. There's a <laughs> there's a, a, a strawberry blonde-haired gentleman sitting right next to him, just kind of looking at him with, with like, uh, amused interest. And, like, who thinks anything of that? Like, oh, yeah, he's a 16-year-old kid, and he's stuffing his face. Like, that's what 16-year-old kids do. da 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 Mm-hmm. And I didn't notice that the first time I read through this, actually, but yeah. I'm like, ah, that may come into play a little later. 
Pay attention here. This may come into play later. Yeah, so we we see that there's uh, some stuff going on with uh, Lucius Fox, who apparently has become a... Was it a senator? <clears throat> oh, no. Uh, mayor. I believe you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he was a senator. And um, he's actually being informed that uh, there's been uh, evidence that's about to be dropped to you know media outlets all over the place that he's been having an affair with a you know he's a 60 year old black man having an affair with a 30 year old white woman and he's just like you know how much time do i have before it all comes crumbling down he's like cnn is corroborating everything now he's like okay well i guess i better go follow my own sword and you know it's like i just wanted to give you a chance to you know call your wife and and give you a heads up because you've been a, a really good friend of the administration and you know we'll miss you and okay so that's uh that's lucius fox he's he's a he's a politician he's part of the the wheels of government spinning apparently you know, nobody has anything to do with the wayne organization or wayne enterprises apparently and uh you know, we we find uh, Superman riding the subway back in Metropolis, and the, you know he's, he's such a fucking old grump. <laughs> Just Clark Kent remembers when it cost fifteen cents to take a pleasant ride on this train. Now it's up to a dollar and a half, and it's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> All right, pops, just drink your prune juice; you'll be fine. <laughs> and uh, he's standing in front of a like a mosaic uh, in the subway on the wall. And as soon as everybody is kind of like out of the way, he pushes like a particular section of it and it opens up like a secret chamber door. And uh, he's thinking to himself, uh, you know, he, he could use the teleporter, but over the past few years, it's begun to give him indigestion. It's, it's like, oh, soups. It's, it's called Tums. Um, so he, he makes his way and you find out that this is uh, the headquarters of this secret society of superheroes mentioned in the title of, of the story and uh we are given our first full glimpses at the flash hawk woman plastic man the atom wonder woman green lantern and metamorpho uh interesting to include metamorpho he he only shows up in a couple of these elseworld stories that we've that we've been covering so far um, and he, I, I honestly do think he's a, he's a very intriguing character, but I don't think anyone's ever really found the right way to get into the character to make him compelling enough to carry a story on his own. Yeah. I mean, he, he's got his role to play in the nail for sure with Alan Davis and all that. So, you know, that's, yeah, I think he's got something to play in kingdom come as well. I think metamorpho has, has a little scene, but, um. Yeah, you know, you're you're right. He's just not a leading man. Yeah, I mean, sort of sort of the same way I feel about Hawkman most of the time. You know, interesting concept, but the execution usually leaves uh, a little bit to, you know, to be desired. But oh, yeah, so he was the leader in Black Adam. I'm the leader in what? Black Adam. I don't know what that is. Up and at them. <laughs> oh, do you mean the movie with Dwayne movie, Johnson yeah. that changed the hierarchy of DC? <laughs> Just a bit. 
I mean, he was not wrong. The hierarchy of DC most certainly changed. Yeah, just not the way he wanted. <laughs> just just <laughs> you know, not for him. <laughs> anyway, um and, and these guys these guys and gals are just, you know, standing around jawing and, and arguing to themselves amongst themselves about whether or not they should keep their activities clandestine or reveal themselves to the world. <clears throat> and uh, Kyle Rayner, who is the Green Lantern here, is uh, all for revealing themselves to the world. His his point is we could be we could be getting you know mad bank if if we let people know who we are and what we're capable of doing. Like we could sell our services to the highest bidder. Um, so you know, very heroic this this fellow. And uh, you know they they kind of sit down and that's where we find out that the name of this organization is the cryptic order and cryptic is spelled with a K <laughs> to indicate uh, the influence of Krypton. And uh, they read the minutes uh, saying, you know, Green Lantern once again requested that they go public. And because there are eight members, it's a four to four tie on the vote. It's a deadline. So, yep. Yeah. They have, they have no way of breaking it. So the default is they, they remain clandestine and uh, we, we come back to, to Bart coming home and he's kind of like freaking out because uh, he, he got a letter and all it said on it was, I know what you can do. And he has no idea who it's from. He, he thinks you might be his parents they, or somebody might tell his parents and it's just going to be donezo. Um, we, we come, we come back to whatever the hell it is that Bruce Wayne's trying to, you know, put together with his own conspiracy theories and what have you in Metropolis. And that's when Lois Lane shows up uh, kind of investigating the same thing, uh, even though they may both not realize it at, th- at that moment in time. And, uh, you know, apparently stranger than fiction. She, she says that in quotation marks, it must be her, her article or what have you, her editorial in the paper that they do. I, I don't know. Uh, and he is clearly aware of the ongoings of that rag because he tells her that Bigfoot is in the next department. <laughs> yes. Bigfoot's in the, in the next department, Miss Lane. This is a crime scene. I'm Bruce Wayne. I mean, yeah, that's it. Hey, did you eat those cigarettes or smoke them? <laughs> And uh, squash in this apartment. <laughs> I know it's no Skinwalker Ranch, but what <laughs> <laughs> do I do? Oh, delightful! And then we uh, we we just see what Metamorpho is kind of up to during the course of the day, and uh, he's he's actually at the American Museum of Natural History uh, in the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and. Uh, he sees someone, uh, a guy, you know, getting ready to smack his kid around. And apparently Metamorpho is completely invisible. He cannot be detected whatsoever. And he all of a sudden grabs this guy and whispers right at him as he's like lifting him and slamming into a wall. Touch that kid again. I'll rip out your stomach and feed it back to you. Capiche? From now on, you just remember your kid's imaginary friend is keeping an eye on you. 
And then the cop is like, geez, you okay, mister? Slammed yourself against that wall like you was having some kind of seizure. <laughs> like, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Joe Bob. You were a lot of fucking help here. <laughs> and that's when we, we see Metamorpho thinking to himself, Wonder Woman's invisibility shield does have its perks. Next up, Victoria's Secret. Oh, thanks, Metamorpho, oh, from going from a what seems like a decent, nice dude to an absolute fucking scumbag in the blink of an eye. It, it is a cool visual effect on how they show the invisibility. I, I do think that's yeah. pretty neat. Yeah, how how it it's it seems very faded. It it, it works very well with the coloring of the backgrounds, like where the pan tones almost. Yeah, yeah, a bit more static. Um, I definitely think that that is the type of coloring that was made far easier and more possible because of the digital coloring techniques that started being utilized. Agreed. Yeah. Um, and and things like that are still you know very much. Um, rooted in the milestone media hundred color um, process that they used when they did it by hand and it informed how they uh, approach things digitally as well uh, because they, they really enhanced shades across the board uh, primarily because of skin tones. Uh, and, and when you're able to start playing with all those things and bring it to a digital format in order to bring everything up to where you need it to look, uh, it makes a huge difference, humongous. Imagine trying to do something like that in like 1966. Oh yeah, like there's you, no way. You don't have Kirby or Steranko working in your book. You're not fucking doing that shit. Good luck to you. Those are two very popular comic book artists. I don't know <laughs> no, I knew who they were. Oh, okay, just making sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, I was just trying to think if Kirby colored his own stuff, and I wasn't certain if he did. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, you know, when I, I, when I think of some of the the great stuff that Kirby did, like as a kid, I remember the first time I saw the Negative Zone in a Fantastic Four comic, and I, for the life of me, could not figure out how, you know, as a kid, I could not figure out how Jack Kirby had made the negative zone look like that through this giant vault door i had i was so used to just like hand-drawn images all together in comic books and to see this like computer drawn thing that just ma it made it look so much more surreal than everything else around it it was the perfect representation of what the negative zone would look like from our side um and i'm that's the kind of that's you know he they he actually it was him, Steranko, and in Ditko. They did a lot of different, like wild things with with the medium visually. And, I'm a big uh, Dave Cockrum guy myself, so it's oh like yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, this is like you're talking about like a good maybe seven to ten years behind them. You know, it's when he comes in in late silver to early bronze age and all that. But I, I really liked his stuff and the Dark Phoenix, John John Byrne kind of stuff. Uh, that, that's what that turned into, you know, yeah. afterwards. Well, they were, they, uh, I'm only bringing them up because they were doing like pretty experimental out there stuff that had not really been tried before. Oh, yeah. Right? Silver Surfer. Heck yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and, and if it weren't for guys like that pushing the limits of the medium and then like Milestone Media coming up and figuring out a better way for color, you know, coloring everything and then getting it to the point where it was all digital i mean and then and then of course uh bringing the stock of the paper everything was printed on up 
instead yes. of just being newspaper. Oh, uh, thank God. Yeah, all that, all that stuff. Um, it just it really enhanced the ability to view the artwork the way it's supposed to look. That that's one of the reasons that these books are so much nicer now when you could read them in oh, yeah. a format. Like and it's like, okay, we've got them in a prestige format that, you know, it's got like thick, you know, paper stock that like actually likes the laser printed ink. You know, you're trying to pick up some of those books. It's like, oh, I've got a Malibu book or I've got a Valiant book from 1991. It's like, oh, what is this toilet paper inside? You know, it's like, yeah, in, in, you know, nine times out of 10, because you were a kid when you got it, it's, it's gone the way of all newspaper and starts to yellow slightly. Yep. You know, heaven help uh, you if you lived in a house with a smoker. Actually, at uh, Terrificon, there was a panel, uh, Oh, who the hell was it? He's working with Frank Miller on a book. And they said that it's not going to be digital. They're going to do hard copies only. Oh. Due to how the they don't believe that the computer could accurately represent their idea. I think Ed Pisker did that too. Like with the uh, the history of hip hop. Like he he did that. Um, he did one I that was like all completely. Yeah, I'll be perfectly honest. In in the years since I've been reading things digitally, you know, I, I had to make the move to digital because I don't have the space for for physical. I just I, I agree. don't. And uh, and I'm not knocking anyone that wants to focus on on getting physical. I that's awesome, and I wish I could do that. I I do, but it just I have almost 30 long boxes in my basement with, you know, bagged and boarded stuff. And, you know, maintaining that and getting all that set up was one thing, but if I would continue to add on to that, I mean, Holy flirt and schnitt, there's, it, it's just insurmountable. <laughs> um, so digital I've wanted digital ever since I was a kid. And I saw the movie big starring Tom Hanks. That was actually an idea that his character Josh Baskins had when he was oh, yeah, yep. working at the toy company. Was I didn't realize like, that's where I got the idea. Yeah, <laughs> he was he was like, yeah, you would have like some kind of like screen, and then you would just get get the the comics, and they would be like kind of small, cheaper cartridges or whatever, and you just put it in, and you read the comics that you got on it, and you can switch them out and. You don't have to worry about your mom throwing the books out accidentally or because, you know, she thinks they're taking up space. You can keep them organized a lot more and they're a lot easier to carry around for the kids if they want to read their books, at, you know, their comics at any point. And I remember being a little kid. I'm like, that's that's what I want. I fucking want that. And then when Kindles came out, I was like, oh, man, that's cool. I love that I can read my Stephen King books and stuff, but it'd be really great if they made it like a bigger screen and color and I could read comics. Lo and behold, I mean, they start coming with iPads and then the the Kindle Fire and what have you, and I finally got my fucking wish. And everything was going swimmingly, and then Amazon decided to, you know, screw the fucking pooch and completely crap out Comixology. Yeah. So thanks for that, Jeff. <laughs> I thought they mixed Comixology with Kindle Unlimited. They did. It's horrible. They did. Yeah, that's but screwing I, the pooch. Yeah, I thought they... It, I had to buy a Kindle so I could actually read on Comixology still, where I pay yeah. a monthly service because you you can't zoom at all. Like you know, I'm like, what am I looking at? You know, it's it's terrible. You can't read it on a laptop anymore. Yeah, I mean, I I, I have a Samsung tablet and a Kindle Fire, um, and I actually prefer using it on the Samsung tablet 
just because it is just like the Android app so that I, I'm not actually connected to Amazon. I don't have to oh, deal too much with the other shit. It's just all comics that I'm looking at. I don't have to worry about sifting through all the novels and stuff that my wife and I share because it's a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it was, it was just uh, absolutely incredible. And to, to be able to, to go through and see anything, you know, the, 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 you know, stroke of a fucking key or, or, you know, movement of a mouse or even your own fingertip on a tablet. Uh, it's, it's phenomenal. But out of all that stuff, the only th- time I've ever actually read a book that didn't work digitally is a is two pages of an issue in you know the way I got it digitally, volume one of or compendium one of Rising Stars by J. Michael Straczynski from Top Cow Productions. I do like that book. Um, like there's, a, a <laughs> there's a phenomenal issue where it deals with two characters, one who can um, walk through people's dreams and another one who can communicate with the dead. And the last page of the book, it deals with ghosts around one of the characters and you actually, and I have the actual like comic. So I knew this, that like how it worked out. And this was actually on like the older paper um, that in between stage before where it went from like newspaper to like the nice glossy stuff. There was that kind of like middling prototype stage. It was like magazine paper. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. And if you held it up to the light, you actually saw the ghost because they were printed on the other side of the page. No kidding. And they bleed through. And look as though they are ethereal surrounding the character as he sits on a chair in his in his living room, just trying to drown all of them out as they chatter incessantly. Is that is that Patriot? No, it no, is it's not. Matthew no, it's Bright? A, nope. It's oh, none okay. of those, it's, no, it's a character completely different from them. They go to okay. him for help. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's an incredibly effective scene, but it doesn't work digitally because you go from the page where he's just sitting there in his room you know in his living room and then the last page is them and it looks it's all mirror talk because when it bleeds through the page the word bubbles you see through the page so it looks as though they're talking around him but on that last page it's just so crazy a, a blank white page and you can see the shape of where his chair is and all the all the stuff they're saying and what they're doing, it just doesn't work digitally. And tricks like that are really cool, and it makes you realize like some of the fun things about the physical medium altogether. Yeah, like like die cut covers, and um, you know, with like bullet holes or slash marks, and you yeah. know, em- embossed covers, and, oh, glow uh, in the dark covers. Yeah, yeah, well, covers that have... number fifty. Oh man, it was so yeah. cool seeing those slash marks, and it made it look like a secret file. Yep, yep. Where he fights Shiva. Who fucking didn't have that fucking comic book when we were kids? Like for real, I have that comic book. Yeah, yep. I hate Wolverine. I have that fucking comic book. It's a cool comic. (laughs) Mark Silvestri and Larry Hama. Larry Hama uh, took over for uh, Chris Claremont at that issue. I literally have. I cannot. You could hold a gun to my head and be like, "What happens in Wolverine 50? I'm like, "Uh, "There's a beginning, middle, and end. Wolverine doesn't die." 
Did I nail it? It's like a whole thing with Silver Fox. It's like, yeah, you know. I'll, I believe you. I'm, I'm a big I Wolverine guy, as, as you guys discovered on an earlier it, like um, episode, but I, I'm a big Wolverine guy. I That's what I was reading at the time. So yeah. I would get two books. I would get X-Men, and I would get Wolverine, and that's like what I would read. So Yeah, and speaking about tiny people that are kind of assholes, we come across the <laughs> Adam in the story. <laughs> There's no kind of about it, by the way. This <laughs> is like... This yeah. is definitely like uh, he is. Uh, he is at the Hong Kong Stock Exchange, where over a hundred billion dollars is traded every day, and all of a sudden, the brokers on the floor—they're just freaking out. They're like, "Something's wrong! I'm losing everything!" And you know, I—I I, I don't know what's happening exactly, but I can tell you one thing: there's a bug in the system, and that's where we see that the atom is inside the machinery, and he's tweaking numbers in someone's favor. And uh, we we come back to. You know, Bart Allen, the fastest pain in the ass alive. Uh, and he's back at that diner and we see that same uh, ginger esque haired uh, Leopold haired fellow <laughs> yeah. at the uh, at the diner counter as well, sitting a few seats away from him. And uh, the guy, you know, engages him in conversation, like steals his burger and, you know, <laughs> He's like, yeah, hey man, that burger's mine. He's like, yeah, yeah, I, I know. It's whatever. He's like, I'm waiting for someone. Yeah, I know. It's me. And he's like, oh, wait, what? Huh? And he said, no, no matter how fast we are, we're always running late for something. And you know, Bart's like, what, what, what do you mean by that? And that's when Barrett, you know, this fellow says, I'm like, I'll show you. And then he, with super speed, runs to the other side of the counter and then comes back so he could grab the ketchup and put it on his burger and actually i thought this was cool in doing that also shows him what's necessary when you have super speed because now he has to wait for the ketchup to come out of the glass bottle onto his burger and uh, must be heinz <laughs> and he said he and he said Kinda, yeah but he says to him, he's like, it looks like you're having some trouble adjusting. And that happened to me, too. You know, and he was like, good ketchups, like a lot of other things in life, are worth waiting for. You know, you have to slow down. And then he introduces himself. He's like, I'm Wally West. So we have our answer. This is Wally that's mm -hmm. on the secret society of superheroes. And, uh, you know, he's like, well, can I ask you something then? He says, well, you know, you can ask me all kinds of questions when we get back. He's like back, and then they start booking it at super speed. Uh, at you know, over the town line, there's a sign that it says Las Vegas 345 miles, which is a really weird, tiny sign to have just outside of like Keystone City or whatever. Yeah, there. right. <laughs> um, like, why do you need to know that Las Vegas is 300 miles away at that point? I don't, I don't know. Um, and we come back to uh, the this the cryptic order, as it were, and they have a guy trapped in sort of a stasis field uh, just past the their round table, and they are going full Judge Dread on this dude's ass. They they're just like, you know, uh, the, the this fellow in, in a ill-fitting suit looks like a real piece of work. Uh, he's just like, I want my lawyer. And he's like, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, we're we're your judge, jury, and executioners, so I wouldn't worry so much about that. 
And that's when Superman tells him that he's been found guilty of murder in the first degree, as well as the lesser charges of armed robbery and auto theft. And he's like, who found me guilty? And we hereby sentence you, as we do all criminals, to the Phantom Zone, mm-hmm. where you will have all eternity to consider the consequences of your crimes. And he's like, where's my lawyer? And then they zap him to the Phantom Zone. Look, make- look how callow everybody is. Like, nobody cares. Like, like these people, it's like there's this grim countenance across the board. No objections, anything else. Like, at this point, this is old hat to them. They've been doing this for a while. Yeah, but not only that. I mean, if you really think about the instances in which we've seen large, you know, a, a you know, a a panel of people decide somebody's guilt and that their punishment will be the phantom zone. I mean, each one of those instances that has been, you know, put before us in comics and, you know, live action and animation that's the same thing each time the the council of elders on krypton when they sentence general zod ursa and non and what have you like it's always that look that superman has it's like that that stoic Mm -hmm. uh ambivalent countenance and especially when you're looking at clark kent superman that is that is disheartening and disconcerting like that is not who that guy is supposed to be. You know, he, this, this is a guy who has hidden his light under a bushel and all because of one, he thinks he's supposed to do things. So, you know, for the good of it and and not for the recognition, but his mother instilled a fear into him that people would come at him and try to hurt him. Mm-hmm. If he ever showed what he could actually do, there was no exuberance or celebration over the things that he he was capable of. You know, that's that translates into what you see before you now. And if you feel like you have that weight of the world on you and no outlet to to really let it let it go, you start making decisions like this for everyone else's good. That's that's frightening. And uh you know, we come back to Perry and, and Lois and uh the the bullpen of the daily star or whatever and you know they you know he's you know he's like oh so uh you were i heard you were fraternizing with the enemy over at that apartment you know that crime scene and she's like yeah yeah i'm I'm sure he's he's mr wonderful with a oh perry's like i'm sure he's mr wonderful with a badge and gun but meanwhile i'm still waiting for that latin american pyramid story (laughs) he, he really loves the aztecs and mayans man and uh you know, there's another guy there, Tommy. He's he's kind of a, a cub reporter, sort of their Daily Star version of Jimmy Olsen. Uh, he does look like he is a ketchup stain on his shirt away from from reading Rorschach's journal. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, and you know, they're just kind of kind of pulling all nighter and and figure out what the what the deal is. And she's pulled up all kinds of information she could on on Agent Bruce Wayne. And she sends the kid out to, you know, go get the important things they need. Chinese food. Meanwhile, uh, moving on, we find that Kyle Rayner is zapping some people away and doing some some DNA testing. Try to find new recruits for whatever. We, we have no idea what these recruits may be for. Um, but this person, he just zapped away. Uh, is another, you know, 
negative result. They, there's nothing that he's looking for, apparently. And, uh, you know, he says to himself, if old Clark knew what I was doing. And that's all the information we get right there. So thanks. For yeah, that, pretty Kyle. much. Uh, lots of lots of seeds being planted. And uh, you know, he's, he's, if old Clark knew what I was doing, he'd have a coronary. And of course, as he says that, we cut to the Daily Planet offices and Clark Kent is in his editor in chief office trying to maintain consciousness because he is actually in the middle of having a fucking heart attack. <laughs> you know, yep. This is this is like or an odd scene to see an older Superman. And it's not something you come across too often without like, you know, throwing green K radiation in the air to try to weaken him or anything like that. And uh, one of the paramedics shows up and they, they're like, here, I have, I have this, to, you know, it's an injection of whatever. And Clark's like, no needles, please. He's like, no, no, it's fine. I'll be gentle, Mr. Ken. He's like, but, and then all of a sudden, he puts the needle in and Clark just goes going in no resistance whatsoever. Didn't break the needle. Didn't destroy it. And uh, the shock of that combined with the like heart attack itself, it just, he completely conks out. He loses consciousness altogether. It's too much for him to handle. And uh, you know, we're, we're moving along. Bruce Wayne is, is in Metropolis doing his thing, talking to his, FBI Oracle wannabes basically. And um, he's trying to figure out what the deal is with this guy who's, who's sending all these quizzes and, and what have you. And he, of course, because he's Bruce Wayne figures it out. Like we, we get it. You're, you're Batman, but you work for the FBI. That's, that's how it goes. Um, it was kind of cool seeing like, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, why did the chicken cross the road to get to the other side? And he just, he very Adam Wests it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the other side he's talking about is death. He's the chicken. <laughs> Hold on a second. And he's like, you know, he knows he's a coward and a chicken hiding behind riddles instead of facing us. Hmm. Can, can you do me a, you know, he's like, uh, okay, Bruce, wh so what's going on? We want to pinpoint the victim? He says, the death reference is both figurative and literal. I need you to trawl for names in your academic database, cross-index with synonyms for dead. We've got two, Amanda Graves and Peter Nell, which initially I was like, no, oh, death Nell. That's that's clever. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, though, because he his MO is going after educators and, and what have you. And so, yeah, they're... That's that's Batman hard at work, actually being more of a detective in two fucking panels in the middle of an else world than I saw in the entirety <laughs> of Chris Nolan's fucking trilogy. Good stuff. And, uh, you know, we come back to Bart at home and he's just, you know, going through the whole rigmarole of like, oh, I have powers. I can't tell my my parents and. You know, my dad's being a dick, but, you know, that's because he's uh, his his dad's trying to figure out how to raise a 16 year old smart ass and a 16 year old smart ass doesn't know how to fucking talk to his own dad. It's, you know, the way of the world. It happens. So no, no super speed, nothing, nothing there. It's, you know, really just like, hey, you know, 
kids kids being in dysfunctional families it's ah, it's the american way and we we still go about seeing seeing wonder woman and and hawk woman uh you know saving some people fighting crime whilst wearing these invisibility dailies that keep them from being seen by the public and uh same thing goes for plastic man and they consider it a you know a, a job job well done and they're still kind of discussing the pros and cons of revealing themselves or not. Uh, and we come to seeing a little bit more of uh, Wally and Bart kind of coming to understand one another and Wally doing his best to get him to come and meet his, meet his friends. We can go hang out at a special club under a subway. You're going to love it, you know? And, we come back to see uh, Superman uh, on an examination table with uh, one woman looking over him. And uh, I will say the way this is drawn at first, I was like, why is he wearing just boots? Uh, that's pretty fucking weird. Uh, Cause it looks as though he is naked. Yeah. Otherwise. I think he's got like a, a underwear on or something. No, he's, he's wearing his pants. It's the lighting of the screens, the red oh, that's okay. throwing everything oh, off. You okay. can't tell that it's the dark blue of, of his costume or what have you. Yeah, ah, seconds. Oh, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You can see it in the last panel there. Yeah. Um, and she, you know, he's, he's just like, it's so weird. He, he's, he's, <laughs> he's just freaking out because he had a heart attack and he's like, you got to check. And she's like, no, you had a heart attack. You're not dying. You know, your powers are fading. Your cells are having a harder time metabolizing solar energy. And he's in amazing shape too. Like when yeah. you see oh, yeah. him, you're like, you're like, oh my god! Like, yeah, he's like Schwarzenegger in the Terminator. It's fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The perfect specimen, you know. But such a difference from like Kingdom Come when you see it, and you're like, okay, they could look similar, they could look the same, you know, but they're not. No. You know, th- this guy's like just flat out failing. Yeah, and I, I, it's one of those things too where you can't help but think like. Does Superman's own attitude in and of itself affect how his powers work? Like, you know, you think about the connection between psychology Mm. and physiology as human beings and considering all the suppression he's done essentially of his own natural talents for so long without having like what amounts to a healthy outlet. Could that be a contributing factor as to why we're seeing this older superman clark kent that is like having vision problems and heart attacks yeah that's a that's a great point you know kind of like the movie logan you know where it's like similarly like oh i haven't done that in years you know it's like yeah yeah it's like the stress of maintaining this what he sees as the balance of order in the world has been eating away at him and and i you know that's the impression i got that that it's it's that's what's killing him essentially with what's you know it's not a good scene maybe maybe fucking take up a hobby other than meeting out justice to every criminal you fucking come across bro even clark kent had had a career as a novelist for christ's sake just saying not yeah, saying it, anything, it doesn't saying. seem like he has hobbies this guy you know it's like maybe uh maybe he just like watches the news or something who, who knows but maybe they give us the impression that his career is his life and, and all that yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Like he just he seems like a very solitary, like stern mm-hmm. individual, you know, just uh 
very, very intelligent and very capable, but like, you know, a little off. And I think that speaks to his odd disconnection from the society he seeks to protect from itself. You know, if, if he were a bit more forthright with who he is and what he could do to try to help and inspire, it probably would have gone a long way towards softening who he was as a person when he wasn't wearing the, the costume and performing these deeds. But, you know, the story is where it is at this point, so all we can yep. do is speculate. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, I started thinking, like, you know, is it the ring that is, like, affecting his, his uh, powers? Is he not being able to absorb the sun as much? What, what ring, though? The invisibility ring. Oh. Oh. Huh. I didn't I didn't think that was the case. Um that, I mean that's that's a possibility. Uh it is magic. You know, I mean that's it, it, it's a good as explanation as anything, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean it's it's uh metal that was made by Hephaestus. Uh the you know, the the smithy god, essentially, the Greek smithy god. Um, so that definitely falls under the category of magic as it were. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's a solid point. And, and more to the, more to the point, you know, when you think about the fact that invisibility is, you know, light passing through, um, it, it could have had a, a, a negative sum effect on the solar radiation coming through. Like it may still have hit his cells in a certain way, but because it was being filtered through that, that magic, uh, you know, aura around him that could have been the impetus for it. Yeah. And, and it could have been a confluence of those things all together. When you combine all of them, you know, it's, it, it, it sort of like Superman gave himself an autoimmune disease. Superman has like, su- yeah, that makes super, sense. Super fibromyalgia. <laughs> or like uh, anemia or um, lupus or something, you know, like a- any of those, you know, um, an inability to metabolize it would, would definitely fall into something like that. Yeah. And, and, he's and a werewolf. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, he's got lupusism. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's like anthropy, but yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I was Whoa. confused the two. So, but no cigar. <laughs> I love, I love that we know what that wolf, is. Though. Yeah. That's that is that confused me because I Did was taking Latin when, when Did you lupus, see the moon? <laughs> when lupus like started being like um you know uh brought up more and, and there was a, like more of an awareness campaign, I was taking Latin in high school and I was like, What the fuck could that disease possibly do to you? Like I could like lupus, <laughs> what do you what happens? Do you do you like you turn into a wolf. What the fuck is happening? You're like, oh no, it's this and nothing. I'm like, that is a that is a terrible fucking name. <laughs> like, that is misleading. I think. But I loved, uh, I loved Latin. I I had um, I had a nickname in Latin, and uh, my my teacher would call me Vespertilio, which means the Dark Knight. So because I was always wearing something Batman related and all that, and and I I had a sidekick in my class, Maratio, the Boy Wonder. So <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> My teacher had a nickname for me too. It was Take Brandon. <laughs> That's Latin for shut up, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking, I'm like, doesn't that mean close? It means <laughs> like quiet. close your mouth. Yeah, close your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, usually whatever table I was sitting at, it was it would be Takate, 
And more specifically, though, it was Taki Brandon. <laughs> yeah, my, 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 my name in class actually was Marcus because my middle name is, is Mark, and I did not want to go by Brandonis. I did not like that at all. Um, my name in Latin would be Marcus Potestates. We who have the powers. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but regardless of all that, uh, we come we come across uh, Bruce Wayne finding th- the Riddler, uh, aka Mark Question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking great! Like I giggled when I read that. I was like, "That is, that is clever." I've never seen that used as a Riddler alias before. Granted, I'm not as well versed and read in Batman comics altogether as like you two gentlemen are. I think but- they throw it out at one point as as like. Uh- I think even even uh, animated series did it, and they're like Edward Nigma because that's not even his real name. You know? No, no, I knew that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Mark, question, just fucking brilliant. Never once occurred to me either. And I was so mad and delighted at the same time. Yeah, I know, right? I was like, oh man, it's so stupid. I, I should have thought of that, but it's so it's so brilliant at the same same fucking time. Ugh, maddening, but uh. It's like it's like some of the best episodes of The Simpsons. <laughs> so dumb, but it's power. so smart. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we 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 see that happening, and he, he catches them and, and all that jazz, and uh, they're they're gonna lock him up. We come didn't to kill him, which is great. You know, it's uh... well, I mean, he's an FBI agent. He's you know he's he's there to enforce the law of the land. He's not I don't know, a... man. You watch Criminal Minds, like they they be shooting people. So yeah, they're not Bruce Wayne. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> remember that. This Bruce Wayne will be played by uh, was it Joe Mantegna? <laughs> Would you like to come with me to the cruiser? <laughs> Where are we going? <laughs> well, well, if it isn't my nemesis, Mark Question. <laughs> <laughs> I like this Bruce Wayne as, as Joe Mantegna, <laughs> or maybe maybe he'll be uh, uh what's what's the other Hello. one? Um, I am just Mandy Patinkin. <laughs> I am the knight. You will fear me, for I am vengeance. What's the question? Don't play dumb with me. <laughs> now give me the girl. I won't do it. Once again, the girl. Please. <laughs> All right, it's enough of that. <laughs> um, maybe, uh, maybe it's like him from the movie Thinner. You know, <laughs> Thinner. <laughs> this is acid. I've put it on your forehead. <laughs> this is acid. I have put it in a jar. <laughs> and I am putting the jar on your forehead. <laughs> you do not want to move your forehead. For if you spill what is in the jar, which I assure you, once again, is acid. <laughs> is acid. <laughs> it will burn your pretty little face. And I am sure you do not want to burn your pretty little face. Uh, See, I, I was, thought uh, you would have went with a, like a CSI in Miami since he was wearing. Was he wearing the sunglasses earlier? Oh, is he gonna put the sunglasses on? Yeah. Like, <laughs> David Caruso. How do you? Okay, I mean, let's be. Hey. How do you fucking do an impression of David Caruso? Uh, they I mean, did it on South Park. Do your impression yeah. of David Caruso's career. Ah! That's his. That's his career. I'm talking yeah. about him as an individual. Like, Kit Kat. I'm David Caruso. <laughs> 
<laughs> you want kiss of death, David Caruso? Or that guy want... is the fucking unsal- unsalted, saltine cracker of the fucking snack world that is Hollywood. That guy, that guy is. Yeah, I'm, I'm much more of a Jimmy Smith's guy. So, oh, well, I mean, Jimmy Smith's is, is, yeah, he's great. He's super talented. I'm just saying, like, David Caruso, I've never understood it. I just don't get it. Like, like, uh, sure. I'm surprised. Put on the glasses and do the catchy phrase, you know? I'm just saying, like, people are out there wondering how Kevin Costner still gets work. And I'm just like, David Caruso has a career still? Kevin like, Costner is know. awesome in Yellowstone. He is the same always. I know. But I, I know because I watch Yellowstone too, and I don't I don't feel good about myself. <laughs> Do you watch uh 1923? No, is, is he in the cast or... Kevin no, uh... to play Bruce Wayne in the Batman Beyond movie that'll eventually get made. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, are here. We have food in the trees. What? Oh, you're English? What? <laughs> uh Harrison Ford's in nineteen twenty three. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I'm in this show. You should you should watch it, I, I guess. I don't know. My grandson. What? <laughs> Speak it's up. Ni- it's 1923. Stop saying really, museum. <laughs> my, my wife assures me it's actually 2023. Is his wife Helen Mirren in that? Yes. Well done, sir. She's a witch. <laughs> Burn her! Sorceress! <laughs> Find the secret to her power and then kill her. Actually, I love she she takes out somebody with a shotgun like the first Damn. Scene. It's, uh yeah, it's 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 pretty good. Yeah, but but not in the way you think. She bludgeons them to death with the bat. Oh, okay. Stotch. Right. <laughs> Didn't pull the trigger once. It's, it's whacking day, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Weasel stomping day. Yeah, we <laughs> put your gun, put down your gun. It's mother out. I, I love uh, the I, I just keep looking at this and I'm like, that is clearly Jimmy Stewart, you know, on uh, that the, they're oh, drawing yeah. on the other page there. He's like, well, where am I? You're in the phantom zone. Well, what? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. It, was, it was a six foot rabbit. <laughs> it's like, Harvey, help me. Oh, no, I've been cut off. <laughs> Zuzu's pedals. <laughs> you say the word and I'll, I'll, I'll I'll throw a lasso right around that moon. Bring, bring it, bring it right down for you. You'll love it. It's the best. Hot dog. Sorry. All right. Oh, <laughs> you old savings alone. Okay. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> <Hello>, Phantom Zone. <laughs> I don't have your your money. It's at Bill's house and Frank's house. Marshall, how's my money house? going in your house, Frank? Give me my freaking money. <laughs> We've now become the the Jimmy Stewart show. Yeah, shout out to uh, Movie Marquee who just did uh, uh, "It's a Wonderful Life" and uh, with Jim James Stewart, and they're doing another one. Uh, you can't take it with you. I was listening oh. to that show today with also uh, James Stewart. So uh, yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, that's a fun one for real. Um, and 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 you know, then they're gonna what cover uh, actors who sound somewhat similar to Jimmy Stewart and go. With no, the, I think they're doing all Frank Incre- Capra, the Incredible Mr. Limpet. <laughs> that Darn done that. <laughs> what Whoa, what? <laughs> I, I think you got two different distinctive styles there, but like maybe a little bit of crossover, you know, with like the Western with Apple Dumpling Gang and the Apple man who Dumpling. shot little, oh, little yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Well, 
wow, we've gone full circle to Tim Conway again. I know. This right? is this is the world of comics paradox where we're talking about it. Now I want to see Jonah Hex done in the 1970s with Don Knotts. <laughs> Can we? I mean, if I had a genie right now, that's that's the first thing Sorry, I would I'm ask. Having so much trouble pronouncing the words, but as you can see, I got a little bit of a string face. Yes, a bit of a string face, sir. What? what, what? I assure what, you what, that these are lethal what, weapons. What, is, what are you? What are you doing in there? What, what's going on? Uh, and then, just for the mix, you got to throw in the uh, the landlord from Three's Company. Well, that's why I was. What? Jackson, what? What? He what? <laughs> I know Mr. about Fairley. you. I know what you're doing there. <laughs> I'm on you, Bell. Please watch your P's and Q's. I got you. <laughs> I love donuts. Oh, well, you see what happened was I, <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't know the package he was bringing was was just pies. I, I, <laughs> I thought they were drugs they were bringing into the town, Andy. So yeah, I wanted Is to clip right? into them. I you know, I blew them away. <laughs> and, uh, I'm sorry to tell you, Andy. It was Opie. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I didn't know where this joke was going. <laughs> oh yeah, it gets really dark. Really, <laughs> real dark. It's, it's pretty dark. I mean, I, can Ernest well, T. Bass be in this? I am loath. I am loath to tell you what I did to Aunt B. I thought she was the getaway driver. I'm sorry, Andy. I just I didn't know. This is a good bit. You should write that down. <laughs> uh, I, I did years ago. It was part of my stand-up routine. <laughs> I, 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 Don Knotts was one of the first voices I could do when puberty hit. Because I found that sweet, like, ah, in, you know, in puberty, the scratchy voice thing. Funny enough, it took me a lot longer to be able to, like, get Shaggy a bit more down. You would think that with, like, the, Dad, your friends are here. Like, whenever... You know, the phone ring or whatever, but nope, nope. It wasn't until I was like 19. I was like, oh, okay, I can do this now. I think I've I think I've come through the other side of puberty, maybe. I mean, physically, I'm still a man-child. I think anybody listening <laughs> can attest to that. But anyway, back to the story at hand. Uh, we come to the criminal that they transported to the uh, Twilight Zone. That is the individual we were likening to Jimmy Stewart at the start of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, we see what is actually in the Phantom Zone, and it is um, actually it's rather idyllic. Uh, green hills, a, a river, clean air, and a community that has uh, started to build up and seems to be thriving. Uh, you know, for all all things being considered, and uh, that's when he's brought down by the individual the young boy that found him at the entrance from the the from earth to the phantom zone and he's like oh uh you know you'll want to talk to my dad and brings him to the house and he's like hey dad and the guy comes out and he's uh rather large bald muscular and green with red eyes and introduces himself when he says my name is john jones Ooh, the martian manhunter himself in the phantom zone how cool is that yeah yeah it's funny like with this uh i mean moving moving forward there's there's no need to worry about spoiling it but like to have john jones be just a full-on like character 
you know, he is not there to be a powerhouse or bombastic by any sense of the word. He is there as a leader of a community. And it's, it's, it's really cool to see, to be honest. Um, and he puts, he puts the perspective of those that have been trapped there forward as something the criminal showing up would have never expected, you know? Uh, and we'll, we'll get to that, of course. But, uh, you know, we we shift gears. This happens an awful lot in this story. It goes from, it flits about from one thing to the next uh, with no segue whatsoever. Uh, Lois is in her office and Bruce Wayne is there. And uh, when she, I think we neglected to say, I neglected to say, when uh, she was talking with Perry, after the whole um, debacle of being at the apartment crime scene at the same time as the FBI, uh, flowers were delivered to the office for her. And now that Bruce is there, she's saying to him, like, oh, you're just mad that I didn't come running to you when you sent fl- sent me flowers. And he's just like, I never sent you flowers. You didn't? Which, uh, you know, investigative reporter Lois Lane, everybody. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, I thought you might have information on an ongoing missing persons investigation. Turns out we both got more than we bargained for. And uh, he has a ring in his hand with a, a K on it. And uh, she's like, oh, well, all right. You win. This is pretty interesting. And clearly they've decided to join forces to try to figure out what is at the heart of this uh, mystery slash conspiracy theory that Bruce Wayne has been teased about within the confines of the Bureau. Uh, Very Fox Mulder of him, isn't it? Oh, indeed. The truth Mm -hmm. is in there. This is this is so X-Files, by the way, like this Bruce Wayne. It's actually but it it, it, at least it, it. it pans out a little bit better than X Files. Well, I, I don't. I don't mean it as it's stealing from X Files. I just mean it's oh, like no, you, no, no. you could it's, liken it to like a Fox Mulder sort of the, character. The atmosphere where... and intrigue, and certainly because of his connection with being in the FBI, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and of course his uh, peers teasing him. Yes. You know, like oh, Brucey over there was like, oh, I think it might be aliens or something weird like that. And you fucking goofball. People get drunk and drive off cliffs all the fucking time. This guy needs to get with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that's probably how I would be <laughs> like, all right, Bruce, if you say so, that is the last time we invite that guy out for drinks. He is a fucking buzzkill. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we uh, now cut to um, who is it? Uh, Plastic Man, Wally, Kyle, and... Is that supposed to be metamorpho? I think, I think it is. I I forget what side that he lands on because I I thought that uh, Hawk Woman was the other one that wanted them to go public. But these these are like the ones that want to go public, right? Yeah, but the this isn't this isn't about them going public. This conversation here, they're walking down the street all dressed in like civilian clothes, but like nice suits and what have you for the most part, uh, all looking very like suave and dapper for the most part oh that's not clark in the big uh no that's got to be someone no else. no it is not clark because this is actually about them uh manipulating markets yeah yeah maybe it is metamorpho then i think it must be um 
I'm curious as to how that. Oh wait, no, that's Plastic Man because it's there's only four of them. So Plastic Man, Kyle Rayner, uh, uh, Wally West, and the Atom. Oh, Ray okay, Palmer, yeah. Which, which we'll right. assume is Ray Palmer. Yes, yes, of course. Okay, I I knew I was miscounting, and not not accounting for somebody there. Uh, yeah, and they're just they're talking about uh, what they've been doing to make themselves money, but also kind of giving the press to Wally saying like, Hey, you know, that, that kid you've been talking to, he's on our team. Right. You know, he's like, I, I guess so. And he's like, well, what's the point of bringing him in if he's not on our side? And uh, you know, we're starting to get the first glimmers of why it is exactly that Wally is going out of his way to be nice to Bart and kind of shepherd him along. Uh, they want him to be a tiebreaker for their deadlock on the vote to go public. And uh, we we come to Superman kind of walking through the trophy room of, of the cryptic orders uh, sanctum there. And uh, one of the one of the interesting bits that we see is he actually has a, a rock of kryptonite stuck in there, which, uh, you know, no backstory on that. But wouldn't it be fucking nice? Like, how did he come across that chunk of kryptonite? Yeah, really? And what does it do? Like, you know, just yeah. just sitting there under this leaded glass, I'm guessing. Yeah, it would have to be lettered, I would imagine. And um, we also see that there are some of these same dome displays that uh, contain the the uniforms of former members. Uh, we can see in one of the uh, oops, in one of them, it's uh, it says that it's Dinah Lance. Uh, what's her name? Black Canary. That's right. Uh, right below the uh, Lost from Space robot. Yep, and uh, next to her on the far side of it is uh, oh, there Green you Arrow, go. Oliver Queen. Oh, very cool. Yeah, you guys picked that right up. Oh, yeah, and I'm not blowing it up the way fucking Leo is right now. Wow, nice, Leo. And uh, below that in the, the last panel as as Clark is walking. I, and uh, real quick, just keep go back, go back up for a second, Leo. That is a slick-looking older Superman suit. I, I dig that. Not not I wouldn't want that in like main continuity, but like as an alternate older Superman, it falls right in line with the same ideas of like Kingdom Come. You know, it reminds I, me of that animated one that they did where uh and I uh I forget it, like Superman's raised in Mexico and Batman was an actual vampire and all that. It reminds me of that one. But that was that one had like kind of the white stuff. World's it. finest? It that could be what it is, yes. Yeah. So yeah, and which is one we're going to cover. It's a two-parter. Um, yeah, oh, that was the first have, uh, Could that be the dinosaur from the um, Batcave? I think that's what they're going for, actually, because yeah, this, this looks very much like the Batcave. Because you've yeah, got well, like a, a that's that's why it's important. That's why it's important to go down to the last panel. Where we see former member. Thomas Wayne, aka the the Batman, a, it's got a hyphen in it. <laughs> very a strong gentleman who fights crime nocturnally, and uh, indicating that Bruce's daddy was a you know costumed vigilante alongside the Cryptic Order. Uh, so you know the the scheme congeals, as as they say. The plot thickens. Uh, you know, so we we move we move right along, and we come to 
that would be the next page, Leo. Yeah, I turned um, it. <laughs> oh, and this one? No. Yep, 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 you got it. No, no, no. No, go forward. What are you doing? There we go. <laughs> Is there like delay? I don't know. You, oh, okay. you just went like forward and then back and forward and okay. now you're back on the one. I don't know. I, I've no Am I on the right one? Yes, you are on the correct one. That's why I said okay. stop. That was uh, two steps <laughs> Big money, big money, no whammy, no whammy, no whammy. Back. Stop! <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it's Lois and, and Bruce flying along and he's he's got this ring and, you know, he's 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 given her like a breakdown. He says, in 1939, the Air Force tracked an aircraft of alien design to Kansas. Didn't I read about that somewhere? I thought you made it up. <laughs> Watch it. I wasn't even an idea back then. The aircraft was never recovered. Since then, there have been reports of three other ships, each of a different design, also never recovered. I'm convinced these aliens are behind the disappearance of some 400 criminals over the past 50 years as well as my abductees, stands to reason. Assuming you're right about these aliens, and for the sake of my career, I hope you are, how'd your father get a ring with their symbol? I don't have an answer to that. But my parents were murdered because my father refused to give up this ring. To put it bluntly, I've been looking for the answer to that for most of my life. And, you know, that's, uh, that's... That's sunshiny and happy. Sorry, Bruce. Somebody, please, Lois, just just hug him. And uh, you know they they following a, a particular radiation si signal that they they found on the ring. It's very unique, and uh, it's leading them to the Subway Beach Boulevard station. And uh, well, we know from earlier in the book that the Subway station is, of course, where the cryptic orders sanctum has been located and uh we next switch to a you know, almost splash page where not for the two tiny panels breaking it up that shows the cryptic order training and uh it's wally showing bart what they're all about and he's like, whoa, look at all these people. What are they? What's going on? And classic danger yeah. room sort of sequence. <clears throat> oh, absolutely. Like the this is this is a full on like, oh yeah, have you ever read X-Men and Doom Patrol? Welcome. <laughs> yeah. You recognize all of this. And you know, it gives a quick breakdown, you know, Hawk Girl, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Plastic Man, Adam, Metamorpho, Superman. Um and you know, he's like, hey, why don't you why don't you give it a shot, man? And we cut back to Lois and Bruce at the subway at the subway station itself, like underground, and they are standing right next to the same mosaic design that we saw Clark at uh, earlier on in the story. And uh, he he's just like, hmm, give me a hand with this. And they both start pushing on it, and it says, it isn't much now. But Bruce Wayne and Lois Lane will look back on this moment as the moment they fell in love. I'll be damned. There really is something going on here. You ready to make the leap from tabloid hack to the Pulitzer Prize? <laughs> I'm right behind you. And that is because the chamber opened up and they are about to set foot into the Cryptic Order's secret sanctum. 
Now, Leo. Yes, are sir. We going to continue on to the second part right now, or do you want to do that as a second episode? I'm thinking a second episode, but it's uh, what do you guys think? I'm thinking a second episode would probably be a good idea. Yeah. Okay, great. So to be concluded. To be con concluded? Oh, oh, yeah, that, concluded. That, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. I, we were saying the same thing, I think. Yeah, I basically, I mean English esque. Like so. <laughs> yeah. <it's... laughs> um but yeah, like I I I thought this was a a fun, you know, two parter to to come at, especially with some of the stuff that I've been seeing lately, uh in you know, the, the dork sphere comic wise, comicdom. Uh, because there's been a, a, a discussion as of late, I think because of some of the shifts we've seen in the comics themselves, as well as uh, in the movies, even though things are, are changing there right now to, to have like a bit of a reset. Uh, but it brings up Black Adam as part of, part of this uh, conundrum. It's that if um, the Justice Society of America as it stands since post crisis is the first superhero team. And that eventually gives way to the justice league of America. And there you have the advent of Superman, Batman, flash, silver age, uh, flash and green lantern. Rather it kind of negates the whole idea of Superman being the big deal progenitor he's supposed to be in this cavalcade of characters. Uh, they undercut his importance. And I've read uh, several editorials and, and opinion pieces on, on that issue. And I agree. I mean, when you look at it from cold, hard facts, the justice society of America existing in the forties and then Superman emerging in say like the eighties or nineties, why would Superman be a big deal? Because at that point there would have been other superheroes and maybe not younger folks, but older generations would absolutely be would compare him immediately to these like old school, you know, fighting American style, yeah. you know, heroes, you know, those, those old, you know, war and country proud individuals that were all about, you know. Well, isn't, isn't Alan Scott regarded as one of the first public, superheroes though like like pre um pre superman because i thought that's that's at least how they painted it in in hush so i don't know if if that's how it well, still see, is but no but see that's that that's actually the problem that's what i'm talking about is post-crisis to have the justice society of america the members even exist and be public but then still not have superman be around at that point in time, but later as like your silver age, modern age character. And, you know, we're talking 40 years if we're going with the John Byrne, you know, man of steel. Okay. I'm talking 40 years since the justice society of America. Mm -hmm. Superman would not be the, the big daddy superhero that he is revered as within the, this world because of the fact that there would have already been known big time superheroes decades beforehand, it would not be anything 
new for lack of a, a better term for it. Uh, people, people would not necessarily be in awe and see Superman as like this big inspiration for a lot of other people realizing like, Hey, I think we can all work towards doing the same kind of thing in our own way that, you know, Superman is supposed to be an impetus for a lot of that. And if he comes later after a large group of people were already well known for doing the same thing, it doesn't, it doesn't pack the same punch that they need it to for his character to be as important as he is in the DC canon. Unless he is important to the specific people of his locality, like Metropolis. well, no, because it still ends up becoming a generational thing. Because he would, he would always like from the onset, it wouldn't be like who is this Superman? Like who is he? And you know, and then leads to, uh, you know, like being the inspiration. Like I said, it's it's more of like oh, you know, he's nothing like uh, you know, like like our man back in the day. Like, he was that was a superhero and you know, that, that kind of thing. Like you automatically start having this comparison occur. Uh, I think that that vastly changes how the character of Superman would be perceived altogether in, in comics, cartoons, uh, movies, what have you. Um, But when I was reading that, I actually thought about this elsewhere and I was like, you know what, what if (laughs) for (laughs) What if, but what if, what if you had the justice society exist in the the forties and such, but it was actually along the lines of what we're seeing in this book, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if they were active and even the government did know about them, that's why you still have some of the, you could have like the whole idea of like Liberty files kind of stuff, but they kept their activities mostly clandestine very close to the vest because they, they were basically the government themselves would be like, like, let's try to keep you as secret as possible because we could have you be our absolute last line of defense. If you know, the Axis powers do end up making their way here. Yeah. Very, very much like the invaders or, uh, yeah. Didn't legends of tomorrow kind of go that route. Yeah. Like I think that's the entire crux of the show. Yeah, I what do you, um, I don't know. I I stopped watching that show pretty early on. Um, yeah, when they ran into the JSA, it was. I, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I did I did see that with Obsidian and and stuff like that. Yep, and that's that's when Vixen started uh, to come on the show. Well, there Probably, was, yeah, yeah. Wasn't Star Girl part of the JSA as well? She is. Yeah. No, I mean, no, in in that, in that, yeah, she was, yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, but I I actually completely forgot about that. Um, Well, I mean, it 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 is a very memorable show, you know. Oh yeah, it's the most memorable show. (laughs) Um, they did my boy Rip Hunter wrong on that show. I'm just saying. You Uh, mean Rory? (laughs) I mean, I have no problem with with the actor himself, but. Judas Priest, that, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I just think that if you're going to have the Justice Society show up, they need to be a, a secret society. You know, it does need to be something that's kept hidden from people at large. Uh, and I, I really like the idea of this, where Wonder Woman was able to kind of um, retrofit 
uh, Themyscirin technology to empower the members of this particular organization to go unseen so they could do the work that they want to do without threat of exposure. It's a cool MacGuffin, you know? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I, thought it was, I think it's pretty neat. And also... Just another point for this this comic altogether. Just for me, uh, Wonder Woman has pants. Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, that that they went with the two thousands. Uh, you know, no jacket, but still the pants. But but didn't you think too that this is a very tame Howard Chaykin book? Very tame. I oh mean, yeah. It, it's like it's not incredibly politically charged. There's not a ton of gun violence. It's like okay, there's not even a lot of profanity. So it's it's like there's no profanity, and I, I'm like, all right, this is uh, this is a different sort of Howard Chaykin that we're used used to uh, reading. Yeah, no, he he, I think I think he uh, was trying to just stay very focused on the the story's themes, and and the I think really the character of Clark and Superman was his touchstone throughout this whole thing. Um. Very, very interesting to note, too, that, you know, with this being done in the year 2000 and the way that Superman is represented, he is uh, very much stuck in his old way of thinking and his approach. And it's the introduction of of new blood, uh, right. you know, younger individuals that disrupt everything he, quote, worked for. But it ultimately leads to something better altogether when we finally reach the conclusion of the story that we'll get to in, in the second part that we cover. It's interesting uh, too to see early two thousands pre nine eleven books and stories that are told because you have to imagine this would have been completely different afterwards. Probably, I, I would think likely. so. Like to be like, yeah. oh, we're going, you know, we're gonna, you know, go go public, you know, to try to save this. It's like it, it's just like the whole, like everything shifted, like the the consciousness of the country. So. You know, uh, I, I could see that it's like, all right, you get a completely different story, maybe one to two years later. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Uh, I probably it could it could it will probably walk a fine line between cynicism and hope. I, w- I would imagine like that. That's what a lot of the books that came out around that time did. Um, I think it actually. It's yeah, like not... an ice cream sundae where all the hopes on the bottom and you got to like eat all the <laughs> eat all the crow before you can get to it on the and then it's like I swear everybody it'll be in the next issue. <laughs> I promise. It's there, I promise you. Yeah, it's um it's I, I think it's I think it's interesting just uh to to look at it and really kind of uh, how do I how do I say it? With DC at that that moment in time, it kind of works a little bit more to their advantage that Superman's stories take place in Metropolis and Batman's stories take place in Gotham. Of course, and, yeah. You know, Green Lantern's in Coast City and Flash's Central or Keystone City, depending. Um, because they didn't have to fully address within the locations that they have these, these set in the tragedy that occurred. Um, they definitely did address what happened in the comics. Uh, it, and rightfully so. I mean, it was good on both sides of it, Marvel and, and DC. Uh, but DC didn't have to worry about how they were going to approach it 
within the confines of their regular stories and, and how they were drawn because this was all completely manufactured. It wasn't an actual factual place. Whereas Marvel Comics had to incorporate or omit certain things because of what occurred with the World Trade Center in 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's an unenviable position uh, for, for everybody involved. The editors the writers, the artists. Uh, I don't, I don't think anybody was, I, I think there was probably a lot of, and rightfully so, a lot of worrisome uh, eggshell walking because they wanted, they were trying to find that line where it was tasteful and respectful and not exploitative, you know? And I think in stories that are, always about heroism and the man's better nature and better angels uh superhero comic books as a medium was an excellent way for a lot of people to be able to approach some of the larger feelings that the entire situation had evoked yeah um and and a, a great way to be able to approach it with kids especially um, you know, you have you have Captain America and Superman both, um, you know, looking at this situation in different comics and, and the themes and uh, characters involved. It, it, you know, it was it was just it was one of those things where you see exactly how important comic books can be altogether. I just uh, I just meant that the story would be different knowing Howard Chaykin's style of writing. So and where where he tends to go for like a jingoistic patriotic approach to things, and you can see that in a lot of his. Yeah, but I his think work. I I yeah. think he would have I think he would have um, either looked at some kind of large scale attack that this particular secret society either needs to prevent in the story or failed to prevent. And that's a large part of why Clark is so withdrawn and maybe part of like him not feeling quite so super is because he just doesn't feel quite so super. Yeah. I like your take on it though. Like the idea of uh, mental repression of, of your own, um, of your own capabilities. I think that's super key in something like this. And it's, and that's, that's not even like taken as writ, you know, that's, that's headcanon. And, and I, oh, yeah. I think, and and like like Leo saying, it could be you know something that's this magical Themyscira and stuff where it's like it could be that that's affected him too, or it could be the kryptonite that the guy keeps in his freaking backyard. You know, well, it's like it could be any of those damn things. Yeah. His whole attitude, I took it as like his upbringing, you know, and and you know, obviously, uh, he he must have joined the Masons at some point, like his father. Ah, okay, um, yeah, of course, you know, and. and with being secretive, you know, helping others in secret, you know, which he learned as a child, um, you know, not getting the feedback of like saving people and and having that interaction, you know, I'm sure that adds a lot to his own morale as well. You know, not like "Ah, I saved these people, but like, you know, the, the, the feeling of, you know, saving somebody and getting their, you know, response. Well, I th- I think, you know, a lot of a lot of the 
origin stories that we've seen over the past 30 years. Uh, when it comes to Clark's first real jaunt into the world as not necessarily Superman, but when he he realizes I need to go do this regardless of the fact that people can see me. Because if I don't act, then people are going to get hurt and die. This is this is my responsibility, and I'm the only one that can do it. And he goes to do it, and it's not the recognition because nobody knows who he is. You know, he's just a guy wearing a you know a, a, a friggin' windbreaker and jeans who did this, that, or the other thing. You know, it's when he finishes saving people or what have you for that first time, and he's actually able to see how much it means to have done such a thing. Mm-hmm. And he, for the first time feels that, that twinge that he's, he's been like, he's been trying to figure out what it is he's supposed to do. And that's, that's the fulfillment he's been looking for. And it, it all, it's like an audible click. And with this Clark Kent, almost got it he he's still trying to find that but because of the way he thinks he's supposed to do it that's what's keeping keeping you know you want it to be like that snap and his it's just slightly off you know he if he just got that that little piece left where it was like oh no you need to be a symbol and give people hope there's your there's your click. There's your snap. He he doesn't have that. He has no fulfillment in what it is he does. He sees it as a chore, his duty, and it's solemn at that. And that's unfortunate. Uh, you know, that... he, he he also didn't adopt his uh, real name either. He kept uh, Clark. I mean, that's most of the time. Uh, well, even when he's well, don't yeah. want to spoil anything. Diana, you, uh, a lot of times you'll see she'll call him Cal, but most other people will call him Clark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, I, I, I. It's Diana up. and occasionally John Jones. Yeah, I was thinking John. That's a yeah. Oh, in, in this book? No, no, no. no. Just generally. Oh, okay. Just generally. A lot of times in the animation, you'll you'll see that, but um, every single time you see it, uh, Batman and Bruce Wayne will always call him Clark. It's that yeah. dig, that stick to him, you know. I love it. See, I I never took it as like a as a as a as a dig or or a, sticking it to him. Mark I, Wade I, specifically I... describes it in Kingdom Come as a dig. Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. See, that's funny because I always took even in Kingdom Come, I always took it as. Bruce Wayne actually trying to drive home that he's a person. Oh, yeah. See, that's how no, I always he's, he's a smarmy bastard. If if you ever heard Oh yeah, the, no, no, uh, no. I'm not I'm not saying there's a I'm not saying there's a lack of smarm. There's no there's oh, no yeah. problem with being smarmy <laughs> with it. It it's just the fact it, that is that the restaurant that the Avengers eat at at the end of uh the Smarma? <laughs> smarma. I did watch that the other day. I was like, Oh, I haven't seen this in forever, so yeah. Yeah, but I mean, this is this is uh, an an interesting take. In uh, like you said, it is it is very very tame for Howard Chaykin. 
There'll um, be a lot more to talk about too in the next uh, issue because we get into some deeper things. This reminds me so much of it, it's weird that that it does, but the what if Captain America had formed everything? You remember that one where um, what if uh, Captain America ran the country that we did? Um, oh yeah, what what if uh, he had led an army of super soldiers in yes, World War Two? This reminds me of that. You know, it's it's got Captain some Captain America formed the Avengers. That's the one. Yeah. With uh, kind of like what's going on behind the scenes and all that. So, yeah, it, it seems like it's got like some similar bones and structure to it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, so that's why at the end, uh, Cal L pulls the mask and he's Zod underneath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> General Zod. And it was got General away Zod all along. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that fucking up everything? It was General Zod all along. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be cool when we get into some more of the Phantom Zone stuff because I think that's when you start getting to the the hum humanity aspect of this, which doesn't even touch the other side of the book. It's like, okay, well, what what's happening with this? I'm so glad that they're they're gonna get into some more things for us to go in depth for and i'm looking forward to that second discussion that we have yeah there's there's a spat of um of two-parter prestige formats that they did for elseworlds um and you know for the most part when they when they do them they're they're the juice is worth the squeeze you know um there's a there's a you know there's a handful that um really elevate the the whole line altogether and then there are some where it's like Guys, really made expensive toilet paper. It's, it's not great. <laughs> this is not one of them. This is actually this is a pretty this is a pretty decent one. Um, I always enjoy. I will say this, um, and we can we can kind of close it out uh, here at, at this because you know we're you know, just going to ramble on. But uh, the the best alternate reality stories that are finite in their presentation do not merely end but give you a window into something that is quite potentially the beginning and leaves the rest of what happens after that last page and panel to you the reader uh, i find those are the best ways to end with with you know a full opening um this is this is one of those and i look i look forward to when we we uh pull apart and talk about the the second part same and uh, yeah yeah we we know leo you fucking like reading comic books when we tell you <laughs> don't we all yeah well it gives me you know it, it points me in the direction of where i need to go you know oh i i mean i have a great suggestion like if you have some time it'll take you like 15 minutes uh it's called i think you've heard of it i'm not 100 percent though uh I believe you may be familiar with the guys that worked on it. It's it's been a while. Like it's a it's a little older. It's called Fantastic Four Number One. Learn the fucking origin of the goddamn <laughs> premier Marvel superhero team that created the fucking Silver Age. All right. I started fucking, reading at forty eight. You, you dink. <laughs> you fucking dink. <laughs> I love you. I I'm love never you. gonna I love that bit. now. I I'm I'm. For for the live, I'm never going to fucking forget that. When I when I get Alzheimer's in like 27 fucking years, I am straight up going to relive that moment 
day in and day out. I'm going to be yelling at people who have no idea who the fuck Leo Pond is. And I'm going to be like, Leo, I can't believe you don't know how fucking Reed Richards turned into Stretchy Dude. And they'll be like, oh, Mr. Powers needs his meds again. <laughs> Where's Sue? I can't see her. <laughs> Can you believe this fucking asshole runs a goddamn comic book fucking centric podcast network? And he didn't know the fucking origin of the fucking team. We're like, oh, okay, Brandon. All right, buddy. Here, eat your pudding. I promise there's there's no crushed up pills in it this time. I promise. And that was Brandon's origin. You can re- well, I, I, I like the vanilla. You can really taste the well butrin. Uh, well, uh, Mr. Brandon, why don't you... Yeah, let me close it out here. Yeah. Uh, all right, everyone. You have just listened to the latest episode of Comics Paradox with me, Powerful Brandon. Uh, I have a couple of guests here. We'll get to them in a second. Uh, but if you feel so inclined, I'd like for you to check out uh, Powers Combined Facebook group over at Facebook of all places. Our group of dorks that like to get together, share news, memes, info, laughs, good times to be had by all. Our number one rule there is don't be a jerk. If you violate that, you will be booted immediately. Uh, you can follow me on social media at uh, on Instagram at this Brandon has powers. And I'm newly back on Twitter because I realized I needed just to be able to see rumor shit for the other crap we <laughs> talk about on different shows. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter if you feel so inclined at Brandon's powers. Uh, and you can also check me out with uh, Leo, occasionally Justin, and uh, a, a cavalcade of other clowns that we have on the network, uh, Friends All, uh, on uh, Wednesday nights at 9 p.m., the Dorkening Wednesday Night Show. Um, you know, just, you know, just come on by. We, we, we welcome comments, uh, and we, we really uh, love questions that, that are asked while we're talking, and especially if uh, Leo can get to them at a point in time where I'm not having some kind of rant about stupid people out there or <laughs> we don't have three guys ADHD all fucking bouncing off one another and we end up covering 27 topics in three and a half minutes. So, uh, yeah, anyway, I'm going to hand it over to Leo. And, uh, Leo, tell everybody what you're all about, buddy. Uh, yeah, as you heard, uh, you know, we have something called The Dorkening. I run the Dorkening Podcast Network. We got a ton of shows on the network. There's a lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff. Head on over to thedorkening.com. You can see all the latest episodes there of all the shows. And for me, just Google Leo Pond. You find a bunch of stuff. Could be true, could be not. I'm not going to say which is which. And uh, Mr. Justin... As you can tell by the turtles behind me, I am the resident turtle specialist for the Dorkening. You can check out my show, Epic Tales from the Sewers. You can check out our show, The Dork Knight, which is alternate to this show. And uh, check us out on Com- Comics Paradox, the show that you have just listened to. Other than that, you can check out uh, The Dorkening on Facebook. And, uh, you know, check us out and see what we have to offer over 40 shows with uh, a lot of uh, variety now. So, uh, but uh, yeah, check us out. Epic Tales from the Sewers. Turtles. 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 With that, we'll catch you guys there. Bye. Bye, everybody.